Well, my friends, I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. As you're turning, I want to tell you a joke. It just occurred to me that it's been a long time since Pastor Lisa or I have told you a joke, and I thought, I, th- I thought, you know, I don't know, Pastor Lisa is on strike with not telling you jokes, or it might be that one of you maybe said to her, I wish you pastors wouldn't tell any jokes. I don't know which it is, but um, here, here it is, here it is. Did you know that they have opened up a new store in New York City? And it is called, it is called the Husband Store. You got it? The Husband, H-U-S-B-A-N-D. Michael, the Husband Store. And you can go there, ladies, and shop for a husband. I think, I think Pastor Lisa went there a couple years ago. <laughs> now there are, there are six, there are six floors on this store. And you can only visit each floor one time. That's it. Each floor you go up, the value increases, okay? So as you go up each floor, the value of the husband increases. You can choose any husband from any particular floor. You can go up a floor, but you cannot go back down. You can't say, oh, okay, I think I better go back to the other floor and get my husband from there. Well, there was a woman who went to the husband's store to find herself a man. And on the first floor, the sign on the door read, the sign said, these men have jobs. Now that sounded good, of course. But she thought, well, you know, let me go to the next floor. It probably gets better. So then on the second floor, the sign said, these men have jobs and love kids. Well, she got a little bit more excited. She decided to go further up. Floor number three said, these men have jobs, they love kids, and are extremely Extremely good looking, extremely good looking, like the men in our church. Wow, wow, she thought, this is sounding really good. But she thought, you know, I'm I'm compelled to go to the next floor. I think I just go another level up. So she went to the fourth floor. And the sign said, these men have jobs, they love kids, they are extremely good looking, and they help with the housework. They help with the housework. Mercy me, she said, far out. 
I can hardly stand it, she said. Still, she said she wanted to go up to the fifth floor. She wanted to go up to the fifth floor. And the sign there said, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead handsome, they help with the housework, and have a, have a very strong romantic streak in them. They have a strong romantic streak in them. Well, that wasn't good enough for that lady. Still, she didn't choose a husband from that floor. She had to find out what was on the top floor. What was on the top level on, on floor number six. So she went up that last elevator ride. And floor number six said, you are visitor, you are visitor 31,456. And the sign said, there are no men on this floor. This floor exists simply to prove that women are impossible to please. <laughs> and somebody said, <laughs> the women said, <laughs> how about that, eh? All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know what floor Pastor Lisa found her husband on, but she got a top-notch husband regardless. Amen, says. <laughs> she found him on floor five? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was floor seven. <laughs> yes, Anita? Stephanie said that's you. Do you think so? He's my friend here. Is that, is that you? She said it's me. Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I think I think I think both of you ladies are wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, amen. I also know how to stay out of trouble. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yes. Well, my friends, I've been sharing with you a brief series of messages called Signs of Jesus' Second Coming. Signs of Jesus' second coming from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. Uh, let's read just the first five verses here today, where it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, don't, be, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. 
Would you just stand for a moment and let's pray, please. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, as we continue on now with our study of Matthew 24, oh Lord, we just pray that you will open up our minds and hearts to the truth, and we pray that you will use the scripture and this message to impact all of our lives for good. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please feel free to be seated. My friends, a couple of weeks ago in the very first message, I shared with you quite a bit of the historical background pertaining to verses 1 and 2 and how and why it was that the temple in Jerusalem was utterly destroyed in 70 AD. And I made a variety of applications that I, I felt were very helpful for all of us. And then in the message last week, in part two, I shared with you, I shared with you on uh, the theme of there will be wars and threats of war, which is spoken of in verses six and seven, verses six and seven, okay? Uh, last week, I actually skipped the first sign that is spoken of in verses four and five. So now today we come back to this First sign recorded in verses 4 and 5, and uh, it is this, okay? It is this. Many false messiahs or false Christs will arise and will deceive people. Many false messiahs or false Christs will arise and will deceive many people. This is one of the signs that Jesus said will be leading up to his second coming to the earth. We learn this, of course, from uh, verses 4 and 5 where we just read, where it says, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. That's a New Living Translation. And then later on in Gospel of Matthew 24, uh, verses 23 and 24, we read something similar. It says, Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Now, to most of the Jewish people in the first century, the word Messiah meant anointed one. Messiah means anointed one. And Messiah comes from the Hebrew, from the Hebrew Mashiach, M-E-S-H-I-A-H, all right? And the people believed the Messiah, whoever he was, would deliver Israel from foreign bondage and restore the glories of its golden age, of Israel's golden age. You see, in the first century, the Jews were especially looking for freedom from the Roman Empire domination. And I spoke of that in part one quite a bit. They were looking for freedom. The Jews wanted to become an independent Jewish kingdom once again. 
Now, the word and the title, Messiah, as I said, comes, comes um, from the Hebrew meaning anointed one, anointed one. For your interest, the word and title Christ, Christ, also comes from the Greek word, the Greek word Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S, Christos, also meaning anointed one. Therefore, when we say, when we say Jesus is the Messiah or, or Jesus is the Christ, we are essentially saying the same thing. We are saying Jesus is the anointed one sent by God. The big challenge in the first century was how the Jews were primarily looking for the anointed one to essentially and primarily be a great political and military uh, ruler who would lead the Jews to victory over the Roman Empire. That's what most of them were looking for. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, however, did not. He did not come as a great political or military leader. Jesus came as a spiritual leader, as God in the flesh, as God in the flesh who died on the cross to pay for the sins of not only the Jewish people, but for all people, people like you and you and you and you and, and you folks up in the balcony, people like you who are viewing this service today. Amen? There was and there is only one Jesus, one Messiah, one Christ. But Jesus tells us that when his disciples asked him the question in verse 3, when the disciples said, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus responded by saying, many false messiahs will arise and will deceive people. That's what he said. So, when we approach the second coming of Jesus to the earth, there will be, be aware, there will be more and more people who will claim, who will claim to be the real Jesus. This is one of the signs. Some of you may know that across the centuries, there have been many people who have falsely claimed to be Jesus the Christ or Jesus the Messiah. There have been people who have claimed, claimed that. Uh, if, you were, if you were to go to the internet and on Google, for example, if you were, you were to look under list of Messiah claimants and list of Jewish Messiah claimants, you will be surprised, as I was surprised, how many names with a brief description you will find. I thought, wow, wow. Most of the names you probably have not heard of, but one name that you probably have heard of is, is the name David Koresh. David Koresh, who lived between 1959 to 1993. David Koresh claimed to be Jesus the Messiah. Uh, some of you will remember that, that David Koresh was the sect leader 
of the Branch Davidians who played a central role in Waco, Texas. Waco, W-A-C-O. He played the major role in Waco, Texas uh, in the 51-day siege of 1993 during which David Koresh and many of his followers sadly experienced a very fiery death. The fire happened on April 19, 1993. I'm sure that many of you remember that terrible day. That was the time when the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, tried to end the siege down in Waco, Texas. It was a terrible end to Mr. Koresh's followers and to David Koresh himself. Others of you, others of you might remember uh, Jim Jones and the Jonestown Massacre. How many of you remember the Jonestown a terrible situation, yes, many hands. That happened on November 18, 1978. Members of a religious group called the People's Temple. The People's Temple died after drinking cyanide-laced Kool-Aid at the urging of their sect leader, Jim Jones. More than 900 people, more than 900 people, children, youth, men and women died from drinking the poison Kool-Aid in a secluded South American jungle settlement. The group had originally been a San Francisco-based religious group that moved into a jungle area in what country? In Guyana. I figured a lot of you probably knew that. So Jim Jones thought of himself as some kind of a false messiah, a false Christ. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, 4, 5, that one of the signs of his return to earth and the end of the world will be more and more people claiming they are the Messiah and they will deceive many people. So, be careful. Be careful in these years ahead that you are not deceived, my friend. Here is something for you and me to, to think about in regards to people who across the centuries have falsely claimed to be Christ, to be the Messiah. Technicians, I take you to A here. Why? Why have some of these people falsely claimed to be someone they are not. As I studied this passage, I said to myself, you know, I can give you the whole list from uh, Matthew 24, but I want, I want us to learn some important truths from, from each of these signs, all right? And uh, one of the questions that came to my mind is, why, why have some of the people, why have some of these people falsely claimed to be someone that they were not. Well, I suggest to you that many of these false messiahs were not content with who they were. They were not content as individuals with who they were. Stick with me now. 
One of the secrets in life is for you and me to learn to be content with who God made us to be, with who God made you personally to be, all right? One of the secrets in life for you and me to learn is to be content with who God made us to be as individuals. In other words, be who you is. Be who you is. The more proper English, of course, is to be say, is to say, be who you are. Right? Some of you are thinking, Pastor Nick always tries to speak proper English. What's the matter with him today when he says, be who you is? Okay? All right? Be who you is or be who you are. Be, be the person that God made you to be. All right? In my case, in my case, I, I have to accept the fact, all right? I have to accept the fact that I am not, I am not Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of the past 100 years of history. All right? I've had to accept the fact that I am not an athlete that could win a gold medal at the Olympics. But I appreciate all sports. Now, some of you will be surprised to learn. Rohan, is that you there? Hey, hi, Brother Rohan. Some of you will be surprised to learn that as, as a child and a, as a teenager, I was actually very athletic. <laughs> That's right. I was in great demand to be on someone's team. Humbly spoken. <laughs> Okay? All right? Um, you might be surprised to know that I even played a, a championship hockey game. I played a championship hockey game at, at the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. I can see you're all impressed. <laughs> yeah, I played a, a championship game at the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. Some of you are saying... What is the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens? That is where the Toronto Maple Leafs used to play before the current arena was constructed. Okay? So I had the privilege of playing where the great hockey players, NHL players of the day, used to play. And, and, I say this humbly, I scored a goal on the, uh, <laughs> at the Gardens. Oh, Tatiana, merci beaucoup, madame, mademoiselle. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So, um, but at the same time, you know, I know I'm not an athlete that could win a gold medal at uh, whatever Olympics, okay? Also, also, I recognize that I am not a singer. I'm not a singer that could sell 50 million albums 
Although, stick with me now, although sometimes when I hear, when I hear some singers who have sold millions of albums and I hear how bad they sound, I, I think, you know, I think that, well, maybe I could sell, and Bobita, maybe you could sell some uh, 50 million albums as well. Um, you know, so, sometimes I'm amazed. I don't know. Are you? Are you amazed? Sometimes I'm amazed at the songs that sometimes become big hits in the country, in our country, or in the world. Are you sometimes amazed? Yeah. I, I listen to these songs and I think, whoa, never would have thought that would ever get past the, 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 the shower, you know? Um, so, you know, it's possible that you and I have a chance at singing and making a few million, selling a few million records. Uh, somebody say, amen, amen. Okay, all right, okay. Now, in my case, in, in my case, I am not a Bill Gates. I'm not a Bill Gates with millions or billions of dollars. But the truth is, I have, I have more than most people in the world, and, and so do you. Most of you. Most of you. And by, by the way, by the way, sometimes I hear people knock or put down uh, individuals or families who are worth millions or billions of dollars. And could I just remind us? I want to remind you that a lot of rich people give very generously, very generously to, to support hospitals and other charities in our country. Do you know that? If you didn't, now you do. All right? So be, be very slow to knock people that you hear about who have a lot of money, okay? Here's another, by the way. Those of you, those of you, are you listening now? Are you listening? Okay. Those of you or those of us who live in the greater Toronto area and own a home and own a house, or a condo, whatever. In the past one to two years, you, listen now, you have probably become a millionaire and you maybe don't even know it. Yeah. You have probably become a millionaire. Now, why do you say that, Pastor Nick? Because... In the greater Toronto area, many homes, many, many homes that used to sell or they sold for $300,000 10 years ago now sell for $1 million to $1.5 or $1.6 million. I never, I never thought I would ever be speaking to a lot of people a lot of millionaires. <laughs> yes, as I look into the camera number one. Hey, I never thought I'd be speaking to so many millionaires. Right. Ha. Millionaires, millionaires who have an average income but are still millionaires. We never thought that would ever happen, did we? Here's something for you to think about. 
Some of you might write nasty notes to me about this, but that's okay. I'll have Pastor Lisa tear them up. Okay? Here's something to think about. If you sell your house, if you sell your house, and let's suppose, I'm not picking on anyone, by the way, okay? If you sell your house, and let's suppose that it appreciated, that is, it went up in value, it appreciated by $700,000 since you bought it. Since you bought it. I wonder, I wonder if the Lord would be pleased if you gave, if you gave 10% of your profit to the Lord's work. You mean $70,000, Pastor Nick? Yes. 10% of 700,000 is 70,000. I'm, I'm really curious, I'm really curious to, to learn who will be the first person or who will be the first family to do this in the future. Now normally all of us, most of us keep things very quiet as to what we give. But you know, if, uh, if you don't mind, when you, when, you, when you make a decision to give 10% of whatever profit you made from the sale of your house, if you don't mind telling me I'd be happy to hear so I can just praise God and rejoice with you. And then I can tell the congregation, I won't give your name, but I'll tell the congregation that somebody actually listens. Hallelujah. Amen. Or, 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 you know, I wonder, I wonder. All right. You, you know, you might give 10% to the Lord's work, 700,000, 70,000. Or, I wonder... Listen to this now. I wonder if the Lord, if the Lord would be pleased if you perhaps, if you perhaps gave 10% of your profit to help someone else have enough of a down payment for them to buy a home in the Toronto area. Here's the question. Could, could any of you here in the sanctuary, could any of you here, for example, use, use $70,000 to help you buy a house in, in Toronto? Any, any of you? Yes, I, I see that hand. Yes, thank you, thank you. Any other hands? Yes, I see that hand, thank you. Any other hands? Any other, uh, any other hands? Okay, yes, I see that hand too. Okay, all right. And some of those people are thinking, Oh, Pastor Nick, you've got great ideas. Uh, amen? Raven? Raven? Amen? Okay. Now some of you, some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, no, Pastor Nick, now, now you are getting radical. You're getting radical with these suggestions or ideas. Not really. Not really. I'm just talking about Christianity. That's right. You see, Christians are generous. Christians are generous with the Lord's work. And Christians are generous towards other people. 
Just a thought. Just Bible teaching. Just God's Word. By the way, by the way, I, I happened to mention that I was going to include this little portion in my message. Uh, I was talking with uh, Reverend Dr. Tina Patamber a couple of weeks ago, and I just told her I was going to mention this, and she, she added something. She, she said, you know what, Pastor Nick? This is Dr. Tina. We have her preach here occasionally. She's the minister of our Richmond Hill Solid Rock Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Tina said to me, you know what, Pastor Nick? She said, radical, generous givers experience God's radical blessings. Wasn't that great on her part? Generous givers experience God's radical blessings. And I said, Pastor Tina, right on, girl, right on. Well, a little bit ago, I asked the question, why have some of the people uh, falsely claimed to be the Christ, the Messiah, when they, they were regular human beings like you and me? And I suggested to you that many of them were probably not content with who they were. And I've indicated that I myself, I've had to learn to be content, content that I'm not a Billy Graham, I am not an athlete that could win a gold medal at the Olympics, uh, I'm not a singer that could sell 50 million albums, I'm, I'm not a Bill Gates with billions of dollars, um, which, which is all true. I thought of something else. There are, there are a few pastors on TV and on the internet who, who dress very casually for their church services. They normally, they normally wear, for example, a, a, maybe a, a t-shirt and, and worn out, worn out looking Javex, Javex bleached blue jeans with holes or rips in them. And uh, their, their blue jeans will often have holes or rips uh, at the knees. Uh, um, uh, do, do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about, the, those blue jeans? You know, I should have asked Pastor Lisa if she had a set, you know, some pants I could borrow and, and show you. I, I thought of it too late. Uh, but, you know, those blue jean pants, you know, they often will, will have a cut, a rip here and a rip there and a rip here and a rip here and a rip uh, different places, you know, it's like, it, it, they're, they're just torn, right? Torn and, and worn out looking and, and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and I, I thought, you know, if I, if I came to church dressed like that, if I came to church, you know, wearing the T-shirt and, and the worn out bleached jeans like that, torn, what would a lot of you say? What would a lot of you say? Someone said, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, it might be the case, but uh, many, of you, many of you would probably say, you'd probably say, who is that? Right? You'd say, that, that's not Pastor Nick. 
You say, Pastor Nick always wears a suit and tie to church. He, he must be losing his mind. He, he, he must be sick. Take that boy's temperature. Take his temperature. See if he's feeling okay. Right? Most likely, most of you, most of you would say, Pastor Nick is not, is not being himself. Is that right? That's right. What's that, my dear? Okay, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, but anyway, one of the secrets in life is for you and me to learn to be content with who God made us to be. Amen? And by the way, by the way, the fact, the fact that I usually wear a suit and tie to church, and, and that's actually what I wear all through the week, all through the week, although not the same suit, okay? Uh, I want you to know that that, that does not, it does not make me any holier or any better than pastors who don't wear suits. That's not the issue. You got that? So don't anyone go away saying, oh, Pastor Nick thought or thinks that, you know, he's better because he wears suits and other pastors don't. No, 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 no. That's not the issue one bit, okay? Those other pastors can be just as holy or holier than I will ever be with whatever they wear. My, my friends, the bottom line is we need to learn to be content with a person God made you and me to be. Be who you, what? Be who you is. Okay? All right. Let, let, let's go to this next truth, and it's B, technicians, okay? There, there is an, well, I'm going to talk about how false messiahs deceive people, okay? False messiahs deceive people. There is another important practical truth that, that came to my mind about the false Christ, false messiahs, and it is this. Whether it was David Koresh with the Branch Davidians or Jim Jones in Jonestown or someone else, sadly, they deceived people. They deceived people. That false messiahs deceived people. That's what Jesus said. The definition of deceive, by the way, is this. Here it is. Deceive. Do we have it on the screen? To cause someone to believe something that is not true, typically in order to gain some personal advantage. That's what deceive means. The false Christs, the false messiahs can re remind you and me to not deceive people. First Peter in the Bible, chapter 2, verse 1 says, so get rid, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done, be done with deceit. Be done with it, says the word of God. Young or older people, if you are dating, when you are dating, assuming you're single, 
If you know, if you know that the other person is wanting a relationship which will hopefully lead to marriage, but you are not ready for marriage, for whatever reasons, don't deceive that person into thinking you are open to marriage if you are not. I was thinking some of you ladies would say amen. Right? Don't deceive that person into thinking you are open to marriage if you are not. Be honest. Be honest and say something like, you know, uh, I'm not ready for marriage. I just want to have a nice date once a week or once every two weeks with a, with a goodnight kiss on the cheek, and that's it. Someone's laughing there. I'm not sure why they're laughing. You know, sometimes... Sometimes uh, people deceive others by omitting information, omitting information, uh, denying the truth, exaggerating information. Employers find that on applications for jobs, people will often exaggerate information or misinformation, leave out certain information, all right? Uh, sometimes single, single people who who use the dating sites, tell me. They tell me of how sometimes a person on the dating site, sometimes a person presents himself or herself as a, as a wonderful prince, Prince Charming, or a marvelous princess. And then when they start to date that person, they can't find any prince or princess qualities. Then there are some other people who deceive because they might agree with others when in fact they don't in order to preserve a relationship. Do you maybe do that? There is an example of deception that has really started to bother me more and more this past year. I mean, it was bad a few years ago, but this past year it's become ridiculous about once a week, or maybe, tw maybe every second week, I get a phone call, I get a phone call or an email, which, is, which I know is from someone who is trying to deceive me. Do any of you get these things, phone calls? Put your hand up, put your hand up. Oh, wow, so uh, I'm not the only one being picked on. Okay, a lot of you, okay? They are, they are in a very clever and sly way trying to get me to send them money, which I, I don't owe, or they are trying to get my bank account number, or they're trying to get my credit card number. Um, they have become so sophisticated that unless I'm really thinking carefully, they can fool me. They can fool me. They look so sweet and innocent. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I regularly hear of good and intelligent people who get ripped off of hundreds and thousands of dollars by these deceivers, these scammers. And some of you, if we took time, could tell some sad stories about that reality. The police have a very hard time catching them because many times they are phoning or emailing from overseas, right? So, beloved, please, please, 
Be very careful, dear people, not to be deceived by evil people who are constantly trying to steal from you and me. Each of us has to also be careful not to deceive others in small or, or, or big ways, you know. I mean, I, I have to be on my guard about this as well. Uh, recently, for instance, recently, a family, a family in our church kindly gave me a, a wonderful container with, with cow foot soup. With cow foot soup. How many of you like cow foot soup? Put your hand up. Put, put your hand up. Oh, wow, a lot of you. How come you've never given me any? <laughs> Except for one dear soul. Uh, anyway, so anyway, this family gave me this beautiful cow foot soup. I was really looking forward to eating the cow foot soup. I put the cow foot soup in the back seat of my vehicle to take it home. When I got home, I forgot it and left it in the back seat of the, of the vehicle. Two days later, I remembered the lonely cow foot soup. Two days later. Now, if my vehicle had been outside for the two days, the soup, the soup would have been nicely refrigerated and perhaps frozen because it was so cold. It's been very cold most days lately. However, uh, where we live, our, 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 our parking spot is underground and, uh, and the parking garage temperature is close to room temperature, probably because there are so many water pipes and sewer pipes in the parking garage that um, the temperature is pretty warm to prevent pipes from freezing and bursting in the winter. So that meant that, meant that um, there were two nights when my beautiful cow foot soup was not refrigerated. Now I knew I was a science student at the University of Toronto. I knew that if I had eaten it, I could become sick due to bacterial growth. And I hated to do this. I hated to do it, but I knew I had to throw the cow foot soup out. And that made me sad, very sad. The next day, the next day, I, I felt I had to phone the person who gave me the cow foot soup to tell them what happened tell them what happened. I felt I needed to tell them, otherwise I felt I would be deceiving them into thinking that I ate the cow foot soup and enjoyed it, which obviously did not happen. Amen? So sometimes, whether it's me or you, sometimes we have to be careful with little things like that so that we, 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 you know, we're not deceiving one another inadvertently, whatever. Um, I have been very upset, and I'm sure you have as well. I have been very upset with how Russian President Putin and his military machine have been repeatedly deceiving people. To begin with, Putin has been telling the Russian population that they are not, they are not in a war in the Ukraine. Crazy. They, he says they're just, they're just, I don't know, straightening some things out. And last week, last week I listened to a Russian military commander go on Russian television 
and said something like, he said, oh, you know, we don't attack civilians. Uh, we don't send missiles or bombs onto apartment buildings. We don't send uh, bombs onto houses, schools, or hospitals. And meanwhile, on the news, I saw clearly street after street of bombed out, bombed out homes and apartment buildings, bombed out schools. And I thought, what deception was that? The military commander went on TV saying, we don't do stuff like that. And meanwhile, the foreign news is reporting these atrocities. And this week, this week, the, the Russian military bombed, bombed a, a maternity hospital in the Ukraine. A place where, where women went to give birth to their babies. I saw the video coverage on the news, and, and most of you probably also saw it. When I saw that and I heard what happened, I thought, I thought, how? How could any human being, how could anyone possibly bomb a hospital with pregnant women and, and little babies? How barbaric! How can someone do that? And after the bombing, what made me further sick, after the bombing, the Russians continued with, with their deception and lies. Their explanation, their explanation was that as far as they were concerned, the pregnant women had, had all been cleared out and the hospital was filled with Ukrainian soldiers, which was a total lie. My friends, that was deception on a grand scale. Deception. That's evil. That's evil followed by lies, 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 and more lies. Is deception a serious matter? Is deception a serious matter? Acts 5, verses 1 to 11, tells the story about a husband and wife who practiced deception. Anyone remember their names? right? Their names were Ananias and Sapphira. Shortly after they, they uh, tried to deceive the apostle, the apostle Peter and the Holy Spirit, they both dropped dead. In other words, deception is deadly serious. Beloved, we have to ask ourselves the question, is there any deception that you and I need to correct? Any deception that we possibly need to correct, you need to possibly correct with your wife or husband, with your son or daughter, with your mother or father, children, youth, young adults, don't, don't deceive your parents. Don't deceive them. Is there any deception you need to correct with a friend or your employer or with Revenue Canada? 
Jesus said, many false messiahs, false Christs will arise and will deceive people. Be on your guard against false messiahs. Let us at least learn from them. Think of that previous truth A that I spoke of. Learn to be content with who God made you to be. Be who you is. And B, decide to be a person of honesty and integrity. Be very careful not to deceive people. Amen? Do you know, do you know what is the best, what is the best long-term cure for deception? You know what is the best cure? The best solution is a cleansed heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. In Psalm 51, verse 10, David cried out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. You and I need to pray that same prayer. Create in me a clean heart. Create in me a pure heart. Create in me a cleansed heart, O God. And that, my friends, is holiness. That is holiness. That is heart purity. That is entire sanctification. Have you prayed or do you need to pray David's prayer? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. Bow your head with me. And if this prayer expresses the, the sincere desire of your heart, would you pray it, please? And say, dear Lord, I come to you in faith. And I cry out to you as did David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Yes, purify my heart. Yes, yes, Lord, cleanse me through and through, through and through, Lord, cleanse me. Make my heart pure. Holy, 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 acceptable unto thee. Yes, Lord. Make and mold me, transform me into the man, the woman, the young person you want me to be. Lord, I thank you for what I can learn from false messiahs, false Christs,
that Jesus warned about. Lord, I may not have control of false Christs, but I believe I can have control of my own heart through the cleansing power of your Holy Spirit purifying me. Let it happen, Lord. Let it happen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.